0: So, um, through the year, leaders speak. And this week, Corey is going to speak. And I'm really excited about it, Corey Gilchrist. And I was just reflecting this morning about the first time I met Corey when he came to the village how long ago? Did you come to the village? It was a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Eight years ago. He was bald, I think. Wearing a fedora and trying to date Colleen. And some of you were not very nice to him. Um, but now he, he managed to get Colleen. <laughs> a, couple a couple death threats, but he made it through. And, um, and so he's going to talk to us about the second part of, I guess the first part of the Apostles' Creed. And I will just give you sort of our normal leadership guidelines. He doesn't speak in front of you a lot. So look at him. Smile he seems to be lost in his thoughts give him a thumbs up um, and he'll uh he'll do great right it's all yours thanks thanks eric okay
1: you don't want to hear me sniffle the whole time right i know i don't want to hear myself sniffle hi everybody i I'm getting a lot of thumbs up so far. Uh, so like Eric said, we're in a series on the Apostles' Creed. And if you're new, uh, you, you won't know that every other week we say it. And this is an off, an off week, so we said the Lord's Prayer. Um, so the Apostles' Creed uh, goes a little bit like this. It goes, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. So today I'm going to talk about um, the second part of the first sentence, God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Last week, Eric uh, talked about I believe, spoke about, uh, spoke about belief, um, and mentioned that the Apostles Creed is our statement of belief. It's something that we don't. Um, negotiate uh, it's something that binds all of us as Christians. And he kind of gave us um, four, four reasons why we have the Apostles' Creed. One is a reminder and a reorientation of our faith. Uh, two is it's, it's a simplification of our faith. Uh, we can often get caught up in theology and it, it helps uh, center us back to the, the simple things. It connects us to other believers and it convicts us of our actions and our thoughts. Um, So Eric reflected last week that there are a lot of people in our community with degrees and it'd be easy for all of us to pontificate about belief. And so uh, when he said that, I like nodded my head. And then I went home and I looked up pontificate. (laughs) Um, And um, the definition of pontificate is um, to officiate as a bishop, especially at a mass, or to express one's opinions in a way considered annoyingly pompous and dogmatic. <laughs> um, and so I thought, wow, this is my opportunity to be annoyingly uh, dogmatic and, uh, and pompous. But instead, um, I asked the Spirit to uh, use me to speak about God the Father Almighty uh, creator of heaven and er- earth, not based on what I know about that, but rather um, out of who I am and what he's done in my life. So uh, let's just take a second and pray. Uh, God, thank you. Thanks for bringing the rain and for bringing us all together in this building. Uh, thank you for uh, making us promises uh, that you are our God, that you are above us, um, and so as we uh, seek you, as we express our curiosity about what you have for us, um, God, I ask that you would respond, that you would be the one to speak to us. Not, not me speaking, but you, God, uh, that you would be the one to remind us uh, that we are loved uh, and that you are the one that is our portion and that you will get us through um, uncertain times, that you will get us through hard times, and uh, through all of those times, we could look to you for our peace. And I pray those things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so God, the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Um, that's a that's a pretty uh, bold uh, job to create heaven and create earth. So when I think of uh, God as Creator, I think okay, He He's created like the the vast universe, uh, you know, all the planets and uh, all the solar systems. And I, I don't know all of the lingo, but I know it's really, really big. And then I think that he's created things that are really, really small. He's created the cells in our bodies. He's created um, the hairs on our head and the, the grains of sand on the beach. And so I think, wow, there's this big spectrum of creation, heaven and earth, And when I look in between the ends of that spectrum, I think that God has created something really cool. He's created systems for us. He's created family. He's created community. He's created love. And um, I had this friend up in Seattle, um, and I remember the first time I went to his house, he made uh, dinner for me and for Colleen, and uh, he prayed, and he said, Dear God, thank you for creating the food systems with which we can convert this food into communal energy, and I remember thinking, "What the heck are you talking about? Like that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense to me." And as I reflected on that over the years, I thought, you know, it is pretty cool that uh, he could make dinner for us, and it was like macaroni and cheese or whatever, and um, we felt energy from that, and our bodies metabolized that in a way where we could have relationship with each other. I mean, it was amazing, um, and so he. God, in my, in my belief, uh, in, my, in my understanding of God, creates um, huge things and small things, but really what's important is um, those things in between. So it's not, uh, not only a way to sustain our bodies, but it's a way to engage our community. Um, so the argument that I'm hoping to make today in talking about God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, is that um, God as creator invites us to create, and to also be relational. Just put that down there. Um, so, I think we all have different images of God the Father, and I think a good place to start, um, and and maybe maybe not so good um, for some of you, is to start with our own fathers. Um, a few weeks ago, Mark talked about fathers. And he talked about how um, hard it is to be in relationship with a God that is beautiful, bright, and unattainable. Three words I would not necessarily use to describe my own father, um, at least not, um, not to his face. Uh. <laughs> Um, but my dad does have qualities that have helped shape me. My dad is a builder, and he's a, um, he's a master at installing ceiling fans. He likes to grill, and those are really cool things. Um, but I know that all of you have different fathers, obviously, because you're not my sibling. But um, you have different, a different understanding of what it means to have a father or to be a father. Some of you didn't know your dads. Some of you have disappointing dads. Um, some of you have non-traditional dads. Um, some of your dads are no longer alive. Um, some of your dads are, are delightful. Um, but something that unites all of our dads is that they're they're not perfect and they're not God. And so uh, there's a, a verse in Deuteronomy that says, "Hear, O Israel: The Lord our God, the Lord is one." And as I was looking around that verse, I realized it said. Uh, it, what it didn't say is, "Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is Corey's dad, uh, or your dad, or um, any other father figure that you might think of." Um, that says that God is the only God that there is, and that He is the God. So our dads shape our faith. Um, in in my belief, uh, that our that our dads are kind of a springboard in our understanding of what it means to have. Uh, God as our father over us, uh, or or leading us, or being our parent. Um, so we may uh, associate certain uh, characteristics of our uh, our understanding of God with with our own dad. Uh, so that I don't know. Maybe some of us have to kind of look look down. Like my dad was the best. Like is is God like that? Or they need to look. We need to look up and realize. Ah, oh, my dad really wasn't that great of a dad. And you know how much how much better is God than my real dad, um, but I think in reality, um, even if we had good dads, um, we are we have to look up from that um, and god and God talks about well, why he is a good dad, why he is the perfect father um, he uh <laughs> He says that he, he knows us. So Psalm 139, and we, we sing this too. Uh, David talks about, uh, God, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. So how cool is that to have a dad that knows you? Um, I think that as a, as a man now, um, what I still really long for is for my own dad to understand me. And I realize that really nobody has the capacity to, to understand me fully, to understand what it is that is going on in my heart. Um, and, but David says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Uh, and what a relief it is that there is uh, such a God that can know us, that can know what goes on with us, even when our spouses or our best friends uh, or our, our own dads try and fail uh, to know what is really going on in our hearts. And also, God is a disciplinarian. Uh, and he loves us, and he longs for transformation. And there's this verse in Hosea, um, and I don't really know a whole lot about this book, but uh, Hosea chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Therefore, I am now going to allure her, and by her, uh, the author is talking about Israel. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. There I will give her back her vineyards and and will make the valley of Accor a door of hope. And the word Accor means trouble. So uh, I will make the valley of trouble a door of hope. Now, how many of you, when you were uh, small and you were grounded, um, your dad came in and said, I'm going to make the valley of trouble a valley of hope? No? None of us, probably. (laughs) And so, I believe that God uh, disciplines us. He leads us back. um, He leads us back into our vineyards um, because he longs for transformation for us. And last, uh, God uh, disciplines us for the sake of relationship. And that's kind of the point I hope to make later on is that um, that's really what God's hope is for us is that he will transform us and that he will grow us into relationship with each other and also yeah, with him, So Galatians uh, chapter 4, Paul talks about um, us being heirs to God. Because you are sons and daughters, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son or daughter. And since you are a son or daughter, God has made you also an heir. So we kind of have this, this cycle, uh, the cycle that God has created us, and he has... Um, created us in his own image. And so God is a creator, and we are in his image, so therefore we are also creators. And so I think that what he wants for us is to create for his sake, in a way to say, thank you for making me a creator, and I will use that power of creation to create something beautiful. And I think that is really... uh, what is what is key is that, that that thing that's beautiful is community. And that thing that is beautiful is transformation. It's sharing stories, speaking into each other's life, um, and doing kind of what that invitation that Eric made to us, which is to see each other, uh, to know each other, and to name uh, really what we see in each other's stories. If we want to name what we see God doing in our lives or the lives of our neighbor, Uh, to name sin patterns, to name uh, victories that should be celebrated. And that, I think, really is what God's vision is as our Father. So uh, it's funny to believe in a God uh, who I can't see, really only who I can feel um, and share with you my experience of God. Uh, So I I have this tension, uh, a tension where, um, I, I, I believe, and I can say, hey, you're my community. Like, guess what? I believe in God. I believe in the creator of the universe. And also deal with the tension of, um, you know, it's, it's not really, at least according to my family, my own, my own dad, that it's really not that practical to believe in something that is really hard to measure. Um, and so this is, I think, what Eric means, uh, what he talked about last week, to lean into uh, to deal with the discomfort of belief, to deal with the discomfort of um, believing in a God um, that maybe others around you don't don't believe in. And now I'm a dad. Uh, I am a dad as of like three months ago, a little under three months. And so it's, it's pretty awesome. Um, but now I understand the difficulty of trying to provide my child with everything that she needs um, and you know dealing with an infant is, isn't really that hard especially with a really capable wife and a really capable mom um, to my daughter um, you know, she just, you know uh, baby Kate she just kind of needs love and sleep and clean diapers and milk um, and I think maybe that's just my, my dad mind thinking okay like you've got this baby she needs five things and then you're set and maybe like when she is a middle schooler, she'll need like 20 things. And I can check all those boxes. But really, I think that God knows. <laughs> yeah, 25, 25 boxes. Um, but God knows what it is that we need. And so now having a baby is giving me a new perspective that um, there, there are way more things that she needs that I will never understand. And I can try uh, my darndest to give her... What I believe she needs, Um, and what I I believe that she really needs is my heart. I believe she needs my heart, and I think that God is the type of father that has offered us his heart um, with Jesus. And so now I have a new perspective on what it's like to give up a child, Um, to wrap my mind around giving Kate away for the sake of others, is almost unfathomable. I, I, I can't imagine a scenario where I would need to consider this, uh, except for maybe for the sake of teaching about it. But now it makes sense to me how heartbroken God must have been when he gave Jesus to us. And so I realize that I'm not God, and I'm not God to my daughter, but I, I can be a template for how she can understand God. And I think part of that is to give her my heart. And I think that's going to be a lot harder than a five or a 25-step process. Um, but I think it really, it's my job to show her love and to show her grace and to show her respect and also to invite her to create um, so getting back, I think, to my main point, which is that God has, has transformed us through the process of creating together. Um, so if you go way back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, God created male and female in his own image. Um, that's, uh, that becomes one of our core values here in this community is creativity. Um, so let me tell you a story. So back when I was in grad school, um, instead of studying, I would play this game called Minecraft. Um, it's a good game. It's a fun game. And so I would spend hours, uh, okay, so Minecraft is like this big world, and you're this little guy, and you like chop down trees, and make axes, and dig up rocks, and build stuff with it. Yeah, it's awesome. And um, what I would do is I would spend hours, like, digging down into these caverns and looking for diamonds and then turning them into swords and then slaying zombies. And I thought this was, like, the coolest game ever, and I kind of still do. And one day, Colleen's like, hey, Corey, like, why is your laptop running so hot? And I was like, I'm playing Minecraft. And she's like, what's Minecraft? And I, was, I showed her, and she, she said, can I play Minecraft? And I said, yeah. So you go get those zombies, go go mine those those diamonds. And she said, I wanna make a garden. <laughs> and I said, okay, I, I, like you, you can do that too. And I was like, okay, well you gotta like go and find like some like seedlings and then you gotta, like plant it, and then you gotta find a water source. And so Colleen spent like um, uh, the most part of an hour making this garden, and I was finding myself getting a little bored. Um, I was, I was bored, you know. I was like, "There's some skeletons that have bows and arrows; like they need to be slayed." And she's planting this wheat. And then it occurred to me, like, we're doing something together. Like, we're playing Minecraft together. We're we're using the, our God-given creativity to do something together. It doesn't matter that she wants to make a garden that I want to go and you know um, slay creepers. Um, And so there was this moment where we took kind of like my wife's heart and my heart and you kind of draw a Venn diagram and there had this overlap in the middle um, that was something really, really cool. Way, way bigger than the sum of its parts. And so I think that is why God has called us into being uh, creative. Is because you end up creating something exponentially beautiful um, and not not a garden and uh, like a great inventory of Minecraft weapons, but a relationship and a community and a moment of intimacy uh, in that marriage. And so, I, I wonder for you all where God is calling you into being creative, and how we as a community can remind each other of uh, our creative beauty and. Uh, I'd love to argue with you that you're all artists in the ways that you even pick out your clothes during the day. You don't have to be a painter or a a sculptor or a cook or a gardener or um, an excellent um, Minecraft mob slayer like me. Um, You can have your own thing. You can have your own thing. But I think that when we name with each other the the goodness of our creativity, um, we're telling the enemy no. We're telling the enemy no. We're not we're not plain and we're not boring. And yeah, we're, we're living into what God has called us to do, which is to be creative. Um, so another real quick story, uh, f- a few lengths ago, like four lengths ago, um, I painted this picture of Jesus uh, as he was coming out of the Jordan um, uh, and where God kind of says like, this is my son who I love. With him, I am well-pleased. And then he kind of went and he was tempted by the enemy. And I I painted this picture and um, uh, when I was in school, I brought it to show a small group of mine and talked to them about the process of creating it. And it's kind of of on board with what I'm talking about today, which is more the process of creating rather than the outcome of creating. Um, I didn't fixate on the the fact that Jesus kind of looked like he was wearing a dress. Um, I, I more talked about um, how uh, warming it was for my soul to to paint this picture and to share it with others and it, for, for it not to be perfect. And then I left the building. I'm getting ready to get on the bus and I'm I'm like kind of doing that inventory where it's like, okay, I've got my phone and my keys and my wallet and my bus pass. i got everything. And I'm like, oh, no, I left my, my painting. I left my painting. I left my painting back at school. And so I went back, and I, I texted my instructor, and she goes, oh, yeah, we had to clear the room, and so I gave it to so-and-so to look after. And I was like, you gave it to so-and-so to look after? Like, I have beef with so-and-so. And there was this, this uh, facilitator at my school that she and I had some issues together, and we kind of had some unresolved issues. And I was like, oh man. I said, God, I don't know what you're doing here, but I think it's something. Um, and so I was like, all right, I got to get this painting back. And I went and I saw so-and-so, and she said, Corey, I saw your painting. And it, it, it really moved me. And I was—I I couldn't believe it. I, I couldn't believe this was happening. I was ready to like, get, get right back in the scuffle. And we had, we had a short conversation about the, the process of creating and how it impacted others. And I had no idea that this would even happen. And so when I took that painting back, I felt God was saying, Corey, you are my son who I love. And with you, I am well-pleased. And I have my hand over this whole process. And I had no idea when I was painting that picture that, that something so great would come out of it. And so that's, I think, kind of my invitation to you all is that um, you're all artists. You all have capacity to create. Um, not for the sake of selling your art or um, you know telling all your friends how great it is, but really to have... Uh, community and to have relationship um, and have that kind of be uh, part of the process to get you there. So what do you make? What do you do? It's, I, I don't think that it's really a matter of, uh, of what you produce. Um, I think it's, it's really just a matter of being creative. Um, and so I think um, all the way to the, the bare bones of just uh, picking out your clothes in the in the morning. Um, all the way up to uh, courting your fiancé in marriage. Look at you, Jesse. Like, there, there is so much uh, potential for creativity in, in a relationship so um, intentional like pre-marriage. Um, it might be uh, inviting somebody over to your house for a meal that you made them or a meal that you microwaved for them. Wh- whatever, whatever it is, there, there is creativity there. Uh, playing games or telling stories. Um, Those those are all ways that we can be creative. And my hope is that you will walk deeper into the tension that gets stirred up because of it. Um, So God created heaven and earth, so two things that I think exist together, but also separate. So Jesse, if I can continue to look at you, I think about your marriage and it's like something that's here, but it's like not here. So it's kind of like, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's close. It's like here and not here at the same time. And I think that's kind of the tension that God is inviting us into when he talks about the relationship between heaven and earth. It's like, it's close by. It's almost like grazing the surface of earth. And he has these promises to us that, you know, it it will be a, a place where he will invite us to, where there will be things that are uniting that aren't united right now. Um, And it reminds me of that song that we sing from Revelations chapter 21. And it goes, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. So there is movement. Uh, There is movement in waiting for the wedding day to be here. There is movement in a marriage that's been going on for six and a half years. There's still growth there. There is movement in singleness. There's movement in neighborhood Yeah. In, in, being, in being neighbors, whether you know your neighbors or not, or you're getting to know them. There's movement in community and there's movement in relationship. And I think a big part of that movement comes out of creativity. So remember that God inspires our creativity. He has given us the, the diamonds and the, uh, help me out, guys, what else do you need to make a sword? Uh, sticks, so he's given us sticks and diamonds to make swords. Like, if you get anything from this talk, it's that. No, um, he's, strings and sticks to make bows and arrows, like, he's given us the tools. He's given us the tools that we need to make something Really cool, And it's not just Minecraft stuff, it's uh, relationship, it's marriages, it's friendships. Um, and as our story unfolds, remember that the, the tools, the, the, the words and the letters and the sentences within our stories, those have been given to us from God. So when our story unfolds, remember that is really God's story that is unfolding um, when I was hanging out with uh, high schoolers um, and Donovan gave me his permission to mention this, we had talked about the afterlife and we have this we have this big jar and we fill it with questions and we kind of make those questions anonymous and we pull one out at random, we talk about it and we are talking about the afterlife and Donovan said, I believe the afterlife is not a place where we are just happy go lucky all the time, but that there will be a deep experience of our emotions and a flavorful nature of things. And I was thinking like probably heaven's gonna be like real like a big Costco where there's like pies and wine and bread and then, like Donovan was just like, actually, Corey, like, let's like get a little deeper here, and, <laughs> um, and as I thought about that, I was thinking, that's so true. Like the process of pursuing each other in relationship, and the process of creating, like, that's where that's where the flavor comes from. Like that's where the real core of uh, what God has called us. To, that, that's where it lives. And so, getting close to the end here. Um, I think, I guess to summarize, we all have dads, or at least an idea of a dad uh, that have shaped our understanding of God the Father. And that God is a perfect father, and he's willing to give up his son. He's willing to give up his child so that he can be in relationship to us. Which is really hard for me to wrap my mind around, especially now being a dad. God invites us to create for the sake of relationship, for the sake of transformation, for the sake of uh, depth, for the sake of um, meaning in our relationships, even ones that um, may seem hollow or empty or um, faded. He has created, given us the invitation to create uh, for the sake of following the identities that he's given us as creators. And so as we create, we're participating in the next chapter of God's story. And so uh, like Eric likes to do is offer a challenge. And mine's um, maybe not that hard um, on the surface, uh, but my challenge is to create. And you don't have to do anything to uh, elaborate. And it might be just um, to, to pick out a matching outfit, which for me sometimes as a colorblind person is really hard. Um, and to, to talk to somebody about the process. If you want to write a poem or a scribble a picture or sing a song, um, yeah, I would invite you to talk to somebody about it. And I would love to hear, hear about how it goes. Uh, so share it with somebody this week and just see what it brings up. It might bring up discomfort. I kind of hope it brings up discomfort. Even, even inviting you all to, to create makes me a little uncomfortable um, because I'm dealing with my own insecurities about um, creating something. But remember that God is watching you and that he, when he sees you create something, he's saying, this is my son and this is my daughter who I love and with you I am well pleased, and my hope is that that will that will sink deep. I think I have like a few minutes. <laughs> um, so does anybody have like any questions um, about this? Yeah. Of course. Say that again. Which creating? Yeah, well, I think what's important is um, is the conversation that happens after. So I would say, like, one, like, check with your mom first to get like a good time limit on Minecraft, and then if your heart is in a place where you want to express something really cool, and Minecraft is your is your canvas, then I, then I would say. Um, as long as it's okay with your mom, I'd say, go for it. And then talk to her about it and say, Mom, this is what I made in Minecraft and I'm proud of myself. Or you know, maybe it was a little uncomfortable for me, for you to see it. Any other questions? If you need help making a garden, too, I know who you could ask. <laughs> yeah, Ron. No, no, I still have it. I still have it. Yeah, maybe I'll bring it in and we can talk about it. Anybody else have a question? All right. Well, uh, oh, yeah, Emily. Yeah, so the question is, um, how um, in with dealing with depression can, can we move deeper into creativity? Is that a, an accurate reflection of that? Or even approach it? Yeah, well, I think that you're in good company. And so if, there, if you're comfortable, um, I would say you've got people around you that would love to be creative with you. And at the same time, I would say, invite God into that process from the very beginning. Um, Because creativity can be dangerous in that the enemy wants to uh, strike you down before you even start. And so I think having um, some prayer warriors or some some helpers in creating something or co-creating something would be really the best way to take up arms against the enemy. And maybe another response would be to slow play the process, um, and not to jump in, um, not to jump in too deep in the creative process, because it can open a box where the enemy
0: can get you down.